are everywhere. They're beginning to sneak up out of the bushes from under the rocks. You can almost detect it in the air by just breathing deeply and savoring it. Oh, yes, you can't ignore these. The zeitgeist, the atmosphere. The Reverend Dr. George M. Doherty of Washington, pastor of the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church, Saturday, canceled an appearance by Egyptian belly dancer Princess Zaka at a youth hostel benefit in his church January 29th and explained it was all a mistake. He said he thought he was getting a ballet dancer. What a fantastic night that would have made at the youth hostel. Studying the arts. Dark, swirling shadows. The heavy, sensual beat of a pom-pom coming from behind the Coke machine. <laughs> As Princess Zaka comes swirling into the consciousness of all the young men. First, she comes around the ping-pong table ducks past the handball court and now she's at center stage. And the Reverend Dr. George Dockerty says, and now for the benefit of the youth of this hostel, we present a ballet dancer of international fame, Princess Zaka. Well, now, now, I, I, uh, the, the first question that arises, just keep that in abeyance. They don't, don't put that away. This, the heady sensuality of a Tuesday night cannot be ignored. I, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, though, actually, the question arises immediately whether this was a mistake. Uh, perhaps the mistake was that the elders of the youth hostel heard about it. That was the mistake. It got out because I have known many a program that has been scheduled that everyone very definitely knew what they were getting until the local newspaper got a hold of it. And then it all tell you, well, we thought we were booking a juggler. What do you mean a juggler? Well, he had these movies, you see, and they were about love. Oh, and uh, <laughs> be careful. I'll never forget the time. One night, shall I tell you the story of the, of the night, the only night that I ever actually sat through an evening of stag films? Do you want to hear that story, or should I not tell you that story on a Tuesday night? How everybody bought tickets for the benefit. Do you want to hear about it? <laughs> it was the benefit of Boy Scout camp. And it was being put on by a local American legion. And it said, the films will be shown after the smoker. Well, everyone assumed they were going to be films. You know, travel films uh, that you, you book. These, these little color films like uh, Springtime in Bavaria. You know, that kind of thing. Or, or you, can, you can book through uh, the Chevrolet Company. Uh, Yellowstone in the springtime. I kind of think everyone driving an Impala, you know, the little commercials. Oh yeah, I've been to everyone, and no one, no one believed it. No one believed it. we all sat there. We went, we went down this place. You know, we had we had hot dogs and everything in the beginning, and they had they had root beer and near beer and stuff, and everyone stands around. You know how it started out with that kind of stiff feeling that everybody has that they're all out to do something good for the world, and uh, it only is going to cost a buck and a half. So you know what the heck. And uh, how did I get it? Well, I'll tell you how I got it. I was I was rooked in on this because I was working at a local radio station at the time, and somebody called the station and said, it would be nice if you had a representative down at the American Legion Hall. 
And I said, fine. So the station bought a few tickets. You know how they always have to spring. As the panhandling goes on at a fantastic rate, any business today must set aside at least 5 to 10% of his weekly take just to buy tickets for junk. Uh, for Oh, yes, you know about this. Every last business buys every last ticket to every last strawberry festival that's held over in Teaneck, New Jersey, to buy a new painting for the gym. And they got to buy it or else their name is M-U-D all over Jersey if they don't if they don't shake down. Well, <laughs> we had a whole collection of these tickets, and every every Friday night, the staff would be paid off them. Uh, the staff, uh, this is this is one of the things that the management did to get rid of these tickets. And any 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 ticket that promised something to eat, the staff would would wrestle for it. You see, because after all, twenty three dollars a week, seven days a week, you get so that you kind of like to go to a place and wrestle down a free hamburger or knock down some. You know, some free coffee or, or something. You know, but they're always dull, fantastically dull programs. And we'd go and we'd have a little badge that would say on us, uh, the clunk, you know, or whatever the name of the radio station was, uh, W, W K L N U C K, you know, that little thing there. And we were the representative. What we were, we'd come down there with our ribs showing through our cardigans. And, uh, oh yes, invariably. And, I, and of course, this was another thing too. Once in a while, the, the management would pay us off in a cheap suit. I don't know whether you've ever had that kind of thing pulled on. We get a sponsor in, and and uh, and and our our manager would call us, and he says, "Shep, uh, got a new show opening up, and and uh, Mr. Freitas likes your work." And I get that sick feeling down inside of me. The minute he says that the sponsor likes your work, forget the dough. He says, "Mr. Freitas likes your work," and I'd say, "Mr. Freitas," he says, "Yes, Freitas Credit Clothiers." Uh oh. And already I've got the $4 sport coat on my back. And already I can feel the scratchy pants that you get, you know, that bind you in terrible places. This is going to be my pay for doing this rotten show called Friday Swing Time. So, you know, you just accept this kind of thing. And, of course, what you do after a while, you get so that you accept a lot of things and you get into a lot of things that the ordinary man never goes to. Among them are the benefits. You are aware that very few benefits are ever run with the idea of people actually coming. They're run for the idea of selling the tickets. And thousands of... The, if everybody who bought a ticket to one of these benefits ever ever, ever actually showed up, believe me, at the American Legion Hall, there would be like 14,000 people would suddenly arrive. <laughs> Just out of the blue, they, you know, they got a couple of hamburgers and a hot dog. A few guys are standing around by the coffee machine. And they're always a little surprised when people come, except, you know, uh, unless it's people actually in the in the union there, you know, people who, who know what's going to happen. See? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened that night. I shouldn't really tell you the story. It's very depressing for all the uplifters out there. But, but, uh, but they had all these spots on the station. It was about this thing that was going to be held for the Boy Scouts, and it was a big promotion. And, and to buy the tickets, they were a dollar and a half. And of course, the, the gimmick was this: that the, that the benefit show was being held in a, in a fantastically out of the way place, a rotten section of the town, which was Toledo, down by the lake at two o'clock in the morning, some idiotic time like that. But nobody, they don't want people to come. They want them to buy. That's what. They want. And they never sold the show. They didn't say, oh, we're going to have fantastic homemade donuts. Never said that. They just said, it's $2.50 and, and it's tax deductible. And you're in a big company. And, and a lot of us down at the Legion can put the screws on you if you don't buy. There's going to be a lot of rotten stuff said about you, boy, in a lot of important places. Buy. Well, you'd be surprised at how many guys all of a sudden get a tremendous wave of altruism when they're, <laughs> when they're faced with that. Of course... The only thing that the guys would be saying would be the truth anyway, and that scares everybody right out of their shoes. You know, to know that the radio station is a bunch of tight nothings down there, and everybody's getting $4 a week, 
and it's a rotten place, and all they're interested in making dough. And boy, they wouldn't help the Boy Scouts, believe me, unless the Boy Scouts shelled out. Well, that literally was the truth. Once in a while, they would put on a 15-minute show, you know, the little show that would come on and say, now sent to you by the local Boy Scout Council. They had the darndest time for putting it. We were an all-night station, and the Boy Scout show would come on at 10 minutes after 4 a.m., uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, they talk about the, the wonders of the Boy Scouts, and, and, of course, the only people that are listening to the station at 10 minutes past 4 is a bunch of fist fighters, horse players plotting for the next morning, guys that are working on all kinds of plants to dig under the bank, uh, all kind, you know, and here we are talking about the Scouts. Well, uh, so, you, so you begin to see what it's about. Well, one night, it's a Friday night, and I, I come down the, into the into your office. We used to drift down and find out what tickets are around. Just uh, and, the, and the traffic girl had all the tickets. And I might point out to you that the people who really get the tickets in radio stations are the people you never hear of. The guys in the libraries, the guys that answer the mail, the secretaries. They're always at the big cocktail parties up in the 666 building. Up there. Yeah, oh, every last little secretary around here spends more time at, at places like the 21 on co freebie cocktail parties the rest of us, like me and Long John, we get the things for the Boy Scouts and Teaneck. Kind of finally, sh you know, shakes down like a snow, a drift. <laughs> well, well, I, I, this is Friday night, you know. I, I, I go into the office and and I'm, I'm sort of scouting around and, and I'm snuffling through the through the box there. We had a whole bunch of tickets, just a whole pile every week. And then whenever they'd be outdated, we just throw the whole box out and then start the next week over again. Just go through, you know. Yeah, I see <laughs> boxing show. The CYO and all the stuff all over time. The stevedores are having an Indian wrestling contest down on the dock, uh, and they're going to do it for the benefit of the May camp, uh, where the Bryn Mawr girls are going to dance their fertility rights and all kinds of very tough, hard-hitting <laughs> public. So you'd be surprised at the number of of, uh, of folk services that are around. Well, on this on this fantastic night, it connects with this reverend who by mistake, thought he was booking a ballet dancer. Can you imagine getting a, an Egyptian ballet dancer named Princess Zaka? And you make a mistake, I'll tell you a mistake. He knew what he was doing. And so I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm going through all this stuff. And here's one that says, uh, there will be a smoker and card party and free refreshments, including free cocktails, two to a customer, uh, will be served at the American Legion Hall on the Tough Guy Street down on the lower tough guy section of town. It will be held at 1.55 a.m., immediately after all the local union members get out of work and can come down there on a Saturday night. Some crazy thing like that. And I, I remember saying to somebody at the station, I said, where is this joint? He says, oh, wow. <laughs> I told him, you know, oh, wow. <laughs> you just see this place along dark streets with the sound of thumps and occasional a muffled scream. You'd hear that kind of, you know, that's, that's the whole, the traffic on the street is the sound of that of knives being put into sheaves and taking out. So I, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I, you know, it's Saturday night. I thought, well, I'm kind of on the muscle anyway. So I'm, you know, I don't mind a little fist fight. I used to, you know, once in a while on a Saturday night, you go out and you just look for a fist fight. You just got to keep in shape. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, there's, there are three or four, uh, there are three or four all-night diner joints here in New York that I just drop in once in a while when I want to quick run around the block with motivation. See, I just drop in at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they chase me three or four blocks and around back again, and we have a couple of arguments over the piccolilli, and it keeps your stomach flat, keeps your eyes sparkling. You'd be surprised how quickly trouble will awaken your old senses and keep the old blood going. Oh, yeah. Uh, it isn't the happiness, believe me, that keeps the eyes sparkling. I'll tell you what it is. It's Bullard looking at you through the air shaft with his tusks, saying, all right, it's too long now, out. 
boom, you're down on the street with your empty portfolio. Boy, that brings the best out of a man, I'll tell you. I really, I believe that adverse, adversity is the only thing that makes life worth. Speaking of adversity, this is WOR, AM and FM, New York. And, uh, <laughs> boy, talk about Tusks and Mr. Bullard. Uh, we have here uh, Opportunity Knocks just once more tomorrow, the last day of Abraham and Strauss's Opportunity Day sale. Wouldn't it be terrible to, to miss the only... <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to, to measure opportunity in your life by the number of great sales that you arrived at in time for? You know, some people really do. Some guys count their... You know, 35 years later, they remember the big buy they got on a Ford. It was the biggest thing that ever happened to them. Anyway, whatever you and your family need, chances are you'll find it tomorrow at savings of 20 to 50% and even more. Now, I don't exactly know what your family needs, but I don't know whether you can get it at Abraham and Strauss tomorrow at 20 to 50% off. But I would suggest that if you are looking for, say, little simple things like shoes and ties, you know, little things... Uh, the famous Abraham and Strauss store-wide event goes on tomorrow, and they're desperate. For example, black or white fake fur fabric evening jackets. They come right out and say it. Fake fur evening jackets, a plush rayon pile comparable to $13 fake fur rayon jackets are now sold tomorrow at only $7.99. That sounds like pop art on the march, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, this is A&S, uh, famous make 11-foot Cubic refrigerators, enough to hold a large body with across-the-top freezer and doors. It says right here, door at shelves. Just a dollar, $139.99. Fantastic. All right, I know where we are, David. So, okay. Abraham and Strauss, Opportunity Days tomorrow. Fantastic. I love that line. It's a great line. It comes, gee, a black and white fake fur fabric evening jackets. I mean, the idea of a black and white fake fur evening jacket. Now, if it was a fake fur hunting jacket, that's something else. Fist fight, but evening jacket for $7.99. We'll show up down at the park lane in one of those. <laughs> By the way, what does a fake fur evening jacket look like? <laughs> Is this for men or what? <laughs> it's just suddenly a terrible thought occurred to me here. <laughs> oh, jeez, what a, what a world. Anyway, I, I, I arrived. Uh, you want to hear the rest of the story? It, it's, it's connected with the same kind of shoddy world, fake fur evening jackets, the whole bit for seven ninety nine. <laughs> you know, some of that comes right out of George Price's cartoons. It really does. I can just see one of George Price's characters. You ever see his cartoons in the New Yorker? George Price, he catalogs the uncatalogable. He catalogs the people that are never written up, uh, never written about in Tennessee Williams or... or or, or the, even the great writers of the proletariat never write about the guys that just sit endlessly in a kitchen and sit there by the kitchen table eating salami sandwiches. They are never written about. Drinking beer and the sound, the only sound that, that punctuates their life is the sound of a leaky faucet dripping behind them and the john that won't stop flushing. It's been running since 1932, three rooms away. You know that <laughs> once in a while somebody goes in and hits it. Bang! Rattle the door. Hey, will you fix the jump? Oh! They go in and they rattle the handle. Nothing. It just keeps going. It's the sound of life flowing down to the sea in the Bronx. And of course, this this world is never <laughs> this world is never cataloged. Never is. And 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 George Price does catalog this, and it would be a great thing to show the whole the whole family gathered in the kitchen, eighteen kids, and the old lady is leaning over the sink, you know, and the husband comes in with a great surprise, the fake fur black and white rayon 
evening jacket from A&S for seven ninety nine. I says, look, darling, <laughs> a bargain. Hold it up. I couldn't pass it up. Surprise, you always wanted one. Oh, boy. And I'm not putting it down. I just think it's a great thing. Uh, you know, speaking of... Uh, oh, I have, to, I have to tell you the rest of the story. So I'm down there in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the traffic department, and we're looking through all the tickets. Me and a guy named Roger Nash. And I'll tell you what happened to Roger Nash later, in case you're interested in what happens to old radio announcers. Old radio announcers become famous politicians later if they stick with it long enough. And he did. He even got elected governor. I don't even want to go into that of a southern state. But... Uh, Roger and I already, he had the freebie and the eye of the man who knows what ticket to take, where to go. And so we're looking through. It's one of those in-and-out boxes, and there's a whole bunch of tickets there. There's tickets for the for the Shriners Circus, the Shriners Kitty Circus. You know, I don't know of any quieter, duller, more somulent afternoon to spend it at the Shriners Kitty Circus in Toledo. On a quiet Saturday, I'm looking at this ticket, and I said, no, nah, I don't think I'll make that scene. Down here is a thing, uh, you know, there's one for the for the Strawberry Festival out in Oak Lane. Uh, all the tickets that the station had sprung for during the week. They were all bought tickets. All of them had prices like dollar and a half. Couples invited. Uh, $1.75, 65 cents for kids, that stuff. And so way down at the bottom, it said that the American Legion is holding a smoker for the benefit of the Boy Scout camps uh, <laughs> in, in northern Ohio. And it says... Uh, special entertainment. Well, I figured special entertainment. I figured they'll have a guy there that does card tricks. And another guy will come out and pull things out of hats. You know, and somebody will have his famous slides that he took on his trip through Bavaria. Uh, and then, then they'll have the guy that has that does the lecture, the funny double talk lecture. In every town, believe me, there is a guy who appears at every Kiwanis club who pretends he's a Russian ambassador for a while. He's hired, you know. He's a, he's a half-baked actor. And he comes up and he insult. He's hired, you know, by the program committee to insult the boss, you know, to insult the head of the program that would do this. He's always introduced as the Russian ambassador or the British general. And he comes out and he starts saying, you know this guy, you've seen him, he's, he's everywhere. So I figure, well, that's not so bad on a Saturday night. I'm broke. I'm going nowhere. i got no money, absolutely nothing. It's a hot, rotten night. Uh, and I might as well get on it. Maybe they'll... I never knew of an American Legion that didn't have some kind of a beer thing going. We can get free beer or something. And so you've got to remember, I was a radio announcer, and I was working on the very fringes of, of the legitimate world. Very fringes. Where you get it where you can get it, and you don't question. That's just exactly what you do in this world. So I get the ticket. And underneath it, it said, it said uh, it says, public invited. Tickets were a dollar and a half. This is, well, a dollar and a half. Can't be too bad. Refreshments, refreshments. You know, the little exclamation points. It says, fun, fun, fun. Yes, it says, for the benefit of the Northern Ohio Boy Scout Council and for to buy a new pool table for the pool room in the thing there. So I thought, well, all right, I'll go down there. Well, here's the way the evening opened. I, 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 I'm, first of all, I take the streetcar to the end of the line in Toledo. And it ends in, a, in one of these fuzzy places, you know, where they have kind of warehouses. And warehouses, and there's all-night diners made out of chrome, stainless steel. And once in a while, a gigantic 8,000-ton Mack truck goes past in the night, and guys are yelling out of the cab, you know, that kind of thing. And you can hear people loading things in the whole scene. It's just dark, dismal, and, and cobblestone streets. So I get off, and you can vaguely smell a very, I don't know what that distinctive, musty quality, that smell of... of, of, of uh, 
Well, it's a smell. If I were not, it's a, it's a distinctive smell. It's, it's a smell that you get by old docks down in that area. So I get out of the streetcar and I look at the card and it says 2738 VC Street, something of this nature. So I, I'm walking a little bit of a while at the cop and I said, where's VC Street? And he said, where are you going? I said, VC Street. He gave me a long, hard look. I guess there's only one kind that goes to VC Street. And there's only one kind that makes it out of VC Street. There are guys with holes all over them. Either that or they swim underwater all the way to Canada. You see, they were right on the lake there, and there was a lot of sneaky little stuff went on at Toledo. Toledo is one of the toughest towns in the country, by the way. You should know it to begin with. And so he says, Feces, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the Legion Hall. The Legion Hall? And I said, yeah, the Legion Hall. Oh, the Legion... Oh, yeah, yeah. He says, all right. He says, I'll tell you what you do. Four blocks down, turn left, Keep on going. When you pass the big alley, you'll see the loading platform there. Pass the big alley, the Allied Truck Company. Go a half a block, and it's upstairs. Okay. Well, it was like burrowing your way into the deep inner fastnesses of Mammoth Cave. The further I went, the darker it got. And the stranger the phone booth smelled. Have you been in a phone booth way down in the dock area? People don't only use them to make calls. It's a lot of stuff goes on at phone, but you wouldn't believe it with all those windows around it, but I'll tell you. And so I'm going further and further and further down there, you know, and I get, I get down and say, I turn left, and it's like I have headed into the last Dante's inner circle of Hades. And I'm getting a little nervous, you know. I've got this thing where I keep turning around, looking behind me, jumping backwards, hold my hands out like claws, you know. Uh, all right, all right. You know, it's just my own shadow. I finally arrive at this one final spot of light in the entire... You just don't believe there are your Legion Hall. There are. They're all over. You know, there's all kinds of Legion posts. It's like the Spike M. McGillicuddy Legion post. A, a, a famous ex-GI who was a, probably a PFC in the 82nd Airborne who got dropped out of, right out of his pool room. They took him out and they dropped him right on Rommel's Africa Corps and he killed 300 guys with his bare hands on a pool cue. And now he's got... He's back home in his old neighborhood. He's got his his union hall and his, his legion hall named after him. So there it is, and I go upstairs, and I arrive in there. And I never saw such a bunch of legionnaires, you know. I, I, you know I, it's very funny, you know. You, you expect the old gang from the barracks, you know, the old gang from around the, the old crowd from the day room. Well, I get in there, and there's a bunch of blue-jowled guys sitting around, and sharp-faced guys, you know, the little sharp with the bow ties, with the wide suspenders. And, and guys wearing straw hats, and all kinds of, you know, and I walk in, and, and here, here's, and you know, obviously, there were some people who had bought tickets, and who took them up on it, and they came. And so there must have been about 40 of us sort of just milling around there, and they have a long table. On the table is uh, just stuff to eat. They had coffee, they had just ordinary stuff, like day-old cake. Uh, stuff they got from the... Uh, they didn't really expect guests, you know. They had they had uh, stuff like big salami sandwiches sent up by the local bar and pool room and horse parlor. And they got the salami sandwiches. So I'm standing around having the salami sandwiches, and they, they have a big keg of beer, and we're hitting the beer. And uh, now nobody's talking much about the Boy Scouts, really. Uh, there were a lot of guys over in the corner showing funny pictures to each other and yelling and hitting each other. And and, and uh, I, I, I slowly edge over to one side and I get into, into a gigantic storytelling swapping where, where the idea was not to tell the funniest story, but the dirtiest story. Uh, in many circles, the dirtiest story is also coupled with being the funniest. 
<laughs> so, so the more, so you know, I, I'm having a tough time. So they're telling these rotten stories and yelling, and, and this went on to about, oh, I'd say about, uh, it was about twelve fifteen, something like that. And and I could see people were leaving. A few people started to drift out, and I, I'm just about at the point where I say, well, you know, nothing's going to happen. They're not even going to have a, a magician. I've had two two glasses. And, oh, by the way, do you know that in most places, in most out-of-town cities, I don't know about New York, but there are about, oh, maybe 15 or 20 manufacturers who whenever there is a big, uh, some kind of a big uh, special benefit, some kind, like, like the American Legion, they unload all their worst, uh, absolutely their worst merchandise on them, like green beer that somehow uh, developed a leak in the night and a lot of angleworms got in it. Well, they, they strain it, and that beer goes out for the benefits. They just put it in the can. Oh, yeah, it really does, and everyone knows it. You know, Nobody's kidding anybody about it. And so I'm drinking this green beer. It's green. It really is green color, too. You know, It's funny. It's green. It was just poured in the vat yesterday, and something happened. Somebody had the wrong recipe, and they drained it out, put it in the bottles, and sent it over. It's green. Either that or pour it in the lake, which makes the Game Commission mad because it kills the fish. So it goes over to the Legion Hall. So we're all standing around drinking the beer. And about, I'd say around 1230, somebody in the back room hollers, Hey, you guys, y'all, I'm out. I'm out coming to the next room. He said, you guys got enough beer? Let's get the show started. And here I figured the show, you know, there's not going to be a show by now. Let's get the show started. And so, yeah, all right. You know, I'll go along with it. I've got on my $12 sport jacket, and so we all start drifting into the next room. No, no, nothing but men there. I might point out, there wasn't a woman in, uh, within miles of this place. Apparently, a dress was a dead giveaway for anybody who bought the ticket. And so we all started to drift into the next room, and the guys got cigars going. And I noticed already there's there's, there's fiendish cackles coming from the guys. <laughs> you know, oh boy, wow, they're hitting each other. You know, what, what is it? You know. You know, I, I, you know the, the, the General Motors film, but the trip through Bavaria and the new Impala doesn't usually bring this kind of, uh, rem, you know, they're hitting. So I, I don't know a single person in the whole place. I am the representative of the big radio station. And I got a little badge, you know, everybody wears badges in little radio stations. They love it, you know. So that's <laughs> embarrassing. So I go, I go drifting into the next room, which is dark, and standing in the back is a guy by a 16-millimeter projector. He's got on a T-shirt, he's smoking cigars, and he's got a spittoon next to him. It's, I like the casual atmosphere. So we all sit down in the camp chairs, and they have put up a sheet on the end of the building, just a sheet hanging from the wall. They don't have a screen in there. The big white sheet, that's the screen. And with that, three guys get up and stand by the door. And, and, and somebody says, you, keep, keep a watch over there, Charlie. What in the devil? You know, they're going to watch out, see if anybody's... You know, they're, they're, they're guarding the door, literally guarding. And the machines start... Well, on came the music. I, I, I wonder how many of you know that those films often are accompanied with soundtracks with music. Well, the music came on, and I settled back in my camp chair. Well, within, at, I'd say it took me about 15 seconds to realize this was the most exotic benefit I, I could, that if they had ever advertised what they really were going to have down there, there would have been 142,000 people show up that night. And here, the only group that was there was maybe 65 guys all sitting in this steamy, hot room with the cigar smoke, and the films are going on. Well, <laughs> the first film they finished, I couldn't believe it. I mean, first of all, I, I wonder how many, if, if you've never seen any of these films, I hate, I hate to disillusion you. They are as dull as dishwater. 
And immediately you're going to say, how can that be? Well, I don't know how it can be. It is. It's a, <laughs> the only thing I can tell you. They're dull. So it's a very dull film, and I'm, I'm getting and it's 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 dull. And all these guys are still, oh, oh hey oh watch watch it hey Marty oh, oh and they're yelling and hollering and, and, and it's it's getting duller by the second. Well, the film ends, and these guys turn on a little red light in the back, and they're changing film. They're now going into the second feature. They have just started. Apparently, this is like an all-night deal with these guys. They're going to go until morning, until they, until they either show all the films or get busted, one or the other. And down in that neighborhood, there wasn't much possibility of getting busted because the cop was there watching them, too. I, I saw him in the back there, and everybody's yelling and hollering. <laughs> well, I see the second film. By now, it's about... Maybe one o'clock in the morning. I'm really, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting tired of sitting on this seat there. And and what? And that's another thing you have to know. Once you've seen one of these films, you've seen them all. There is no variation because the plot's the same. I can only say it's the basic same plot, and uh, very difficult to put any variation in it. So <laughs> you always think there will be. It never does. It just turns out the same old scene. So they they they, they finished the, that film, and somebody said, "Well, now we've got, we got this great film. This is a great film that came from Sweden." And, and uh, of course, you know, visions of Ingmar Bergman. Are, you have no idea. That, you know, you think that the Swedish only make good pictures? Let me tell you, the Swedish make some pretty rotten pictures, too. They make the worst. So, <laughs> this thing comes. <laughs> well, about halfway through this thing, and by now, I'm, I'm, my, my legs are getting cramped. You're, I'm developing triple feature cramp. And, and, and everybody's yelling and hollering and hitting each other in this place. And I, I'm there doing this for the benefit of the Boy Scouts. So I, I get up, and I, and I go, go out the door and open the door a little bit, and I say to the guy, I guess, where are you going? And one of the, one of the lead chairs said, where are you going, Mac? And he, th- he thinks I'm the fudge. You know, I'm about to make the call, you see, and they're going to come down and lay the hand on him. I said, what do you mean, where am I going? I said, just going. I'm through. He says, where are you going? And I said, picture's not over yet. I said, but I'm going. I'm tired. He says, let me see a card. <laughs> you know, I'm not in the Legion, so I said, I don't have a card. I just bought a ticket. He said, where are you from? I said, the radio, the radio station. What, what, what? <laughs> you know, that must be the fuss. Something, some other radio station official. I said, no, I'm just from the station. You know, I was in the Army and all that stuff. I got this ticket. He says, okay, Mac, but if, if any trouble comes up, we know where to go. You know, if any trouble comes up, we know where to go. I don't know whether you've been worked over by 18 guys from the 82nd Airborne who have just watched nine stag films and trouble broke out. And so I, I <laughs> downstairs, you know, five minutes later, walking along the dark street, and I'm edging towards the light, and gradually I'm getting closer and closer to civilization. And I finally arrive on the street that's lit. And you can see the streetcar tracks and the bus stops and people walking up and down and ladies in cars and men driving in cars. And once in a while you see a family go past with kids in the back seat. <laughs> and I'm standing and I'm standing there waiting for the bus seat. And, and, and there is a big sign on the side of a bus. One of those signs, you know, they put out for benefits. It says, Boy Scout Benefit, American Legion tonight. Goes past me, one of the buses going, I said, yeah, benefit tonight, American Legion, Boy Scouts. And so finally, I get in my bus, and I'm riding home, and there's a couple of guys sitting in the back with their lunch buckets, a couple of old scrub ladies and some kids home from a date, and I begin to feel this rotten feeling of having been part of an absolutely decadent, rotten, stinky, underground, totally, totally illicit operation. And I, and, and I, I get the feeling like I'm suddenly I'm breaking out. You know, my skin is popping out and I'm getting fat and oil is oozing out of my ears. And then if I turn, suddenly people are going to scream around me in the bus. And, I'm sitting, 
And of course, back of me is the is the young couple that have just come to see. You know, they've just seen the uh, Debbie Reynolds. Uh, somebody has seen Debbie Reynolds and Tab Hunter. Who have I seen? And I keep thinking of the scene. And then I realize, maybe three or four days later, that these are not mistakes. And I'd say about 75% of the things that go on are, 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 are not really necessarily what they seem to be on the surface, ever, really, ever. Uh, I, I, can tell you, I can tell you another little, little incident where I got myself involved in a committee one time. I got the committee, oh boy. I, whoa, uh, do I, I have to tell you about the committee that I once got involved in, and they came down when I was, when I was a real, oh boy. You know, I believe that any committee that said it was doing good things was a committee for me. And by George, I signed up for this committee, and I didn't realize that what they were doing was protecting a bunch of guys that was running illicit material from Canada through Detroit and into southern Ohio. And they called it the Preservation for Free Trade with the Canadian Neighbors. <laughs> oh, I don't want to tell you about that. Sorry, I'll never forget the time I went into a place in, in Toledo. Gosh, you know, it's funny how your eyes slowly... You, you begin to see a world that you never really knew existed. And so many people spend most of their lives walking around and they think all candy stores are candy stores. They really do. They, they, they honestly do. They, they, they think, <laughs> they really do. And I, I, I tell you the night that I went into, oh boy, that was a funny thing. That was a funny scene. It's one of those scenes that's itched, really etched in my mind like some kind of a, like some kind of a daguerreotype plate. The picture, I can, I can see each guy as I walked into this place. There was at the base of our radio station, and this is, uh, I learned a lot about life in Toledo, I must say this. Down at the base of our radio station, oh, some night get me started on, on, on the night that the entire staff of, of our radio station was ambushed by a gang of mobsters in the parking lot next to the station because we were running a series of programs on anti-crime topics. And the entire staff was belted. They belted our manager for about three and a half blocks like they were using him for a hockey puck. Uh, and boy, I'll tell you, when you, and, and we looked around and, and suddenly the entire street was empty and there, every cop had melted into the darkness. And, and later, when, when we all wound up, I, I, luckily, I escaped. Luckily for me, I escaped. About nine guys got in the hospital and wound up. Everyone was of one opinion. Well, you asked for it. <laughs> Nobody got mad at that. They were mad at us. Well, you fools, you asked for it. What do you mean, you idiots? So you began to learn a little thing. Oh, wow. One day, right at the base of this radio station, there was a little store. Just a little store. You know how these little stores sometimes, you, either the store that, that seems to spend all of its time making itself unobtrusive. It's got, it's like, dark windows, and it has... Uh, it has things like all over in the windows. It has these big posters for uh, mail pouch tobacco. You can hardly see, and it's got it's got uh, uh, big long streamers of of crepe paper, red and blue, sort of faded crepe paper hanging in there. You know this kind of thing. And above, it says cigars, or it says something like it's the worst rotten looking cigar store. And the door is kind of you can't open it, and it's dark in there. And you just figure, well, you know, next door is a real cigar store, so you go into that one. And you kind of feel like, gee, the poor little merchant should get something from me once in a while. Well, <laughs> they had this store. It was in, it was in, it was in Toledo. And I must have walked past that store maybe a thousand times. You'd be surprised that some of the doors you walk past you never notice in your life. You just don't notice them. And you're going to say to me, well, there's nothing like that in my neighborhood. 
Just look very carefully at the little cracks between the cracks. <laughs> You'll see once in a while a scurrying figure at 2 o'clock in the morning go into it. And the two scurrying figures will hurry out, holding newspapers before their face. You wonder, what, what, is it, what is it going on there? Well, I'm walking past this store maybe a thousand times. I lived in the neighborhood. I knew every inch of it. I, I'm, I'm probably the only guy you ever knew who, who lived on, on a... I had, I had an expense account at the White Castle. Seriously, I, I'm one of the rare guys who lived so much in that underground world that I really... I had, I had credit at the White Castle. Me and the White Castle guy had a whole thing worked out. That if I, once in a while, would say, Oh, boy, oh, boy, I had a great White Castle hamburger. That was good for two White Castle hamburgers the next day. And he and I had a whole thing. It was a barter system, you know. He couldn't afford radio. I couldn't afford hamburgers. So we just got together. No sense in two guys staying apart. So, you know, so it worked out very well. And, of course, my manager couldn't afford radio announcers. So he didn't mind it either, you see. So all the way down the line, we had a real going operation. So I, I knew every every last inch of this ground, like 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 a like a cockroach knows the the back corner of the of the pantry behind the behind the mops. He knows every last hole in the ground, and so I knew every hole in the ground there. And every day I'm walking past these doors, which are designed for it's like total com, total camouflage. How would you camouflage a place in the city if you were in the city? You wanted to have a place right in the heart of the city. How would you camouflage it? Well, you would camouflage it by making it look more like the city than the city does. So every place in the city has signs on it that say stuff like uh, shoe shines here. These places have 25 of them. So many of them that you can't figure out what they do there. Just a lot of signs there. It says cold. It says ice cold. Big sign will say ice cold. Or a sign will say to go. Orders to go. Uh, or it will say repairs made. And all over that, you know, and it never quite says what they repair, what the orders are taken for, whether they really do sell mail pouch or what here. And so one quiet afternoon, when everything in the block was closed, old Shep comes out of the station, and I, one of the boys up the station says, gee, boy, oh boy, who's, who's, I'll spring. The guy says, I'll spring if somebody will go out and get Cokes. Well, Okay. I was off. I had an hour, so I says I'll go out. So I go downstairs, all the way down through our wine. We were. This was truly a back attic radio station. We were up in the in the place of a building that had had been an attic. Do you know anything about that kind of radio station? And we were above a place where they stored old, used, hot automobiles. We knew they were hot. We had orders: do not ever go in that place. Don't go near it. They were hot Packards and hot Cadillacs, and they were in there. The guys were working with little drills and bolts, and they were changing numbers, and they had a paint shop and all that, and the guys would come in and out with masks on. We were, we were told never to look in that direction. Don't look. And so we would walk past this place, and, of course, the cars would change every day, and once in a while we'd hear a gunshot down there and that, but we just knew don't look. And so I go down through the stairway all the way down, and I get out in the sunlight, and the sun was beating. It's a beautiful day, hot, sunny, lovely day. And nobody is in the middle of town. It's in like here, you know, in New York. In the middle of town, you go down to the Wall Street district or something in the middle of uh, Sunday afternoon. Believe me, you could go bowling right on Wall Street and never hit anybody with the ball. You, you, really, nobody would ever stop you. It's quiet, nothing. So I'm, I'm on this quiet street, and I start looking around for the joint with the Coke's on it. Well, let's see, Aries closed. Gee, yeah, that's right, it's Sunday, wow. And uh, across the street, the drugstore was closed, nothing. It's absolutely, the whole block is closed. And so I start to go down to the next block, and I say, oh, what the heck? 
Boy, it's hot, you know. Crying out loud. I'm not going to go all the way down with the bottles and the whole scene with the Cokes. So I start coming back. I'm not going to buy Cokes, you see. I've already decided that is a feckless adventure. And now I suddenly notice to my right that doorway I have passed a thousand times next to the little place where they make keys. And, you know, all those little doors, those little nondescript doors that you see. And there it is, and it says ice cold, and they have a big Coke sign, you know, one of these old rusted Coke signs. And they've got a sort of a half-baked-looking screen door and a dark-looking door with a, car, a kind of a shade and a number that's sort of scratched off in gold, 740 scratched off. And I, I, without thinking, I say, Coke, Coke, gee, I never thought of that place. And I walk up to the, up to the, up to the window and peer through. I peer through all the, all the, uh, the fly strips hanging down, and I peer through the darkness, and I see some guys back there. I just see some movement. I say, oh, they're open. You know, innocent old chef, like you. Oh, they're open. Well, I'll get a Coke. I'll get seven Cokes. I'll bring some up for Fred. So I turn, I open the door, just bloom, without thinking, pull the other door open, and I step in. And with that, six guys whirl. Boom! Just like that. And there is a light, a dark yellow light hanging over a table. And laying on the table, so help me God, is a gigantic 45 Colt automatic. There's a pile of what looked like dough and chips and all kinds of stuff laying there. And these six guys sitting around with hats on. I open it and they all turn around and look. And I'm standing in the doorway. And I say, you got any cold Cokes? One of the guys sort of leans back in his chair. He said, what did you ask for? I said, you got any cold Cokes? Already now I knew, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. There sitting at the table was Humphrey Bogart. Next to him was Sidney Greenstreet. Next to him was Peter Lorre. Edward G. Robinson was sitting next to him. King Kong was bringing in some more beer. Look, I swear, <laughs> uh, I guess you're closed. And one of the guys with a with a with a hat pulled down over his eyes says, "Yeah, we're closed. No cokes today." I said, "Okay." I walk out. I pull the door shut. I get in the I get in the doorway and I skulk all the way up to up the stairs. And I get up there and I said, "Harry, do you know what this place is downstairs?" And Harry says, "Don't tell me you were at Greasy Thumbs." And I said, "Yeah." He says, "My God, and you're still alive." The whole world knew it was the headquarters of Greasy Thumb Gusick, and I almost got it between the eyes for a cold. This is WOR Radio, your station for news. In 25 seconds, Dick Jason will be your news reporter. Fishing is family fun. Thursday in the Journal American, see Ed Moore's handy map showing leading areas of fishing activity from Sheepshead Bay to Montauk Point. From Long Island Sound to the Jersey Shore, plus a directory of public fishing boats and information on the fishing gear you'll need. Thursday in the Journal American. Swim in the world's largest outdoor-to-saltwater pool at Palisades Amusement Park. There are free circus acts, free dancing, and free parking. Admission is still only 30 cents. W.O.R. New York. (laughs) 